Pastor Cameron Wright. Good morning. Had a wonderful time last night at our Christmas party. Did you have fun? Was the food good? If you missed it, you missed out. So it was a wonderful time. Ta-da! All right. Well, just join with me in a word of prayer, if you would. uh, God would open our hearts for uh, the message. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and we thank you that uh, we can have boldness to approach your throne, the throne of grace, through the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we just pray that our hearts and minds would be open to the transforming power of your word. Lord, we submit ourselves to you and your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we've been talking on the kingdom economy. And um, this morning will be the last message in this series. I think I'll talk about Christmas next week. I don't know why. But, uh, <clears throat> and uh, I, um, the kingdom economy, as I've explained, economy deals with all of the rules and regulations uh, that govern a society. So it, it, it involves much more than just finances. And over this series, the previous weeks, the first week we talked about just a general idea of a kingdom economy contrasted with the world economy and that there's two competing economies in the world. And we talked about the power of thanksgiving. following week, we discussed the freedom uh, from materialism, what materialism is. Last week, we discussed uh, the power of gift giving. And right in the middle of my message, I remembered that I had a I had bought a gift for Adam, but I'd forgotten to bring it, so I brought it today. So, Adam, come here. (laughs) Kathy and I were down visiting Scott and Stephanie and the rest of the Jones uh, brood, herd, whatever you want to call them. I like to think of them as a cloud, kind of like an ion cloud. They're just just constantly moving about uh, all of their kids. And uh, we were in a, a restaurant, and we saw this, and I said, oh, we just got to buy it. You'll see why. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Faith, family, friends. And they cool? And he just preached about this. Yeah, give him a hand. <clears throat> So, if you weren't here just a few weeks ago, he ministered on that, and that that's kind of like the, the theme of his life, or the, what would you, the quote, or the theme? Yeah. Faith, family, friends. So, we thought, oh, we got to buy it. So, it's nothing much, but. Uh, the power of gift giving, we looked at last week. <clears throat> and this week, I want to talk about the investment strategy of the kingdom. Ah, oh, doesn't that sound great? The investment strategy. Of the kingdom, it seems as though pretty much every other investment strategy is failing right now. <laughs> so, uh, did you hear about this latest? I, I was going to bring in the article about this this uh, uh, Wall Street banker. It sounds like I'm going to tell you a joke. It's not a joke. <laughs> he was actually the head over the Nasdaq stock exchange, uh, which is very significant. He's been a stock trader for like 50 years. I can't remember his name, but just in the last couple of days, it turns out he had been running a $50 billion scam 
and he basically couldn't keep it up anymore, and he actually just confessed. And $50 billion that just wasn't there. He had duped. Uh, <clears throat> and for years, we're talking decades, this man was recognized or, or thought to be uh, like a genius. No one could figure out how month after month his investments brought a return. And uh, it's, an, it's called a Ponzi scam, but I won't go into that. <clears throat> uh, but it was all built on false premises. And um, it got to the point where he couldn't cover his tracks, and it completely collapsed. So on top of everything else, here we have one individual who literally uh, robbed and deceived many, many people. I don't know how many people were involved. Out of 50 billion. Think about that. How many have seen a billion dollars? How many have seen a million dollars? You saw a million dollars at one time? Where? At a museum, they had a million dollars. Oh, it was a Buddha made out of a million dollars. Buddha would have a problem with that. <laughs> I know Buddha. Buddha was a friend of mine. No, <laughs> I don't know Buddha. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I am Buddha. <laughs> you know, and I was thinking during when Mark was talking uh, and sharing his the prophetic word that he had. <clears throat> You know, and he was saying, we can bring the kingdom down. And I was thinking, you know, we're just a small church. We're just individual. What what can one person do? What can we really do? And here, this, this man, this one individual, <clears throat> corrupted $50 billion. $50 billion. And, and the consequences in the negative that that one person has afflicted on many, many, many lives. How many lives did that one person, in, in a negative example, are you following me, affected? He was just one guy. And he, ha- he didn't have, all he had was uh, a, a sham. He had a system by which he deceived people. But by using deception and appearances, that man made a difference in a lot of people's lives, Right? You and I and we have something much greater. And when we live according to the kingdom economy in God, we can have tremendous effect. We belittle ourselves when we think that we can't make a difference. You can make a difference. You can make a tremendous difference in your life, in the lives of those around you, in our community's life. And who knows what God may have in store for you? Who knows what influence, what level of influence? God is calling people to stand up. And I believe that we are positioned now better than ever for influencers to influence a whole generation. All right? To make a difference for the generation to come. Especially when 
This world is seeing that the things that they have invested in have fallen short and can't be relied upon. And what they were what they were looking toward for fulfillment and security has literally evaporated overnight. And they don't even understand how or why. And there's no confidence or assurance of what's going to happen tomorrow. Christians, believers, people like you and me, no different. Listen, there doesn't have to be uh, anything extra. You don't have to go to some college or university or school of ministry to to be used by God. I mean, those things are great and can be ways that God can equip you. But all He needs is a willing heart. All He needs is someone that's willing to surrender their lives to His ways, His words, His message, and to stand up and be a light in this world. And I'm just... Every day I watch the news and I'm just just stunned by the the opportunity that's opening up before us as Christians. And and I, I want to see us engage in it regardless of what happens to the world economy that we're kingdom representatives and that we can shine as lights in the world. All right, turn to Luke chapter 12 verse 13. <clears throat> Luke 12. I'm going to read a, a rather lengthy portion and then talk, pull out some principles from it. So we're actually going to read from verse uh, 13 through 34. You can follow along if you would like. <clears throat> Luke 12, 13. Um, Jesus is preaching, and in verse 13, uh, one, a person from the crowd called out to Jesus and said, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, you hear God talk? (laughs) Hey, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he, Jesus says, who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Jesus continues, and he said, he turned to his disciples and said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, 
and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? (laughs) And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But the kingdom of God and these things shall be added to you. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Seek the kingdom of God. It goes on in verse 32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourself money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right. Part of that verse, part of that story, we read from a different gospel a few weeks ago. And we're going to kind of focus in on a different part of it this morning. Uh, what prompted Jesus's comments, though, uh, was this man who asked Jesus to tell his brother to divide uh, the inheritance with him. And uh, what had happened, uh, no doubt, was uh, the parent had died. And here you have two brothers uh, arguing over the inheritance and how to divide the family inheritance. And money had come between these two brothers. And what had actually happened is that money was more important than the family relationship. And I love Jesus' response. He was like, man, there is no way I'm getting involved in that. <laughs> you know, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? He's not even going to touch that. All right? He's not going to try to go in and and solve that family problem. But he speaks to the underlying condition or the underlying issue that is really uh, at stake or that's really causing the problem. He doesn't get himself entangled with the family uh, dispute, but he cuts to the heart of the issue, and the issue is covetousness. And the word in the Greek, actually, in some translations, it says all forms of covetousness. Beware of all forms. Of covetousness or all forms of greed and the word there translated literally means inordinate desire say inordinate <laughs> okay what's inordinate mean out of order out of the ordinary huh inappropriate in excess it's you know it's okay to have desire but desire is good all right desire is a very good thing 
If you don't have desire, you're probably depressed. How many like depression? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> you know, depression, one of the symptoms of depression that the doctor uses to determine is if they don't have any desire. You don't want to do what you used to like to do. That's part of the problem. So Jesus is not teaching against desire, but he's saying inordinate, out of proportion, inappropriate, greed, covetousness, all right? Never being satisfied. Uh, One desirous of having more. And there's this issue that's at stake here, and it's brought to the front burner by, I believe this is the hand of God. Uh, Certainly, whether it's the hand of God or not, it's brought to the front issue because the economy is bringing it to the front issue and this issue of having more. Right? It's different than just having or having enough or having what you need or even having what you want. It's having more. And that's what covetousness is. It's this inordinate desire to have more. Always more. You have a little bit, you know, a little more. Just a little more. A little more. Well, if I had that, then I'd be happy. If I had that, then I'd be happy. And it's all forms. Okay? Some people are greedy about, uh, you know, money. Some people don't care about money, but they want pleasure. They're greedy for pleasure, maybe. Or for influence. Or for popularity. Okay? Some people are greedy for clothes. Some people don't care about clothes. All right? <laughs> but they care about electronics. You know? You know? Or they, they care about cars. They're, they're like, oh, man, so they want the latest car. And you know, all of us have some something that is a handle that the enemy can use to reach in with the hook of covetousness and greed and kind of pull on your little... I want a little more. I want a little more. I want a little more. I'm never quite satisfied. And that is the issue. That Jesus says, beware of that. And he says this this great one-liner, right? One's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Listen, your life does not consist in the abundance of things you possess. And the New Living Translation Life is not measured by how much you own. Life is not measured by how much you own. In the message, life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. Alright? I saw this little this, uh, thing on TV where Charles Branson, is that his name? Owns Virgin. Richard Branson. Man, he was showing off his Caribbean island. <laughs> was it cribs? Yeah. <laughs> Some of the ones I don't get into, you know, but the Caribbean island. We're not talking about an island resort. We're talking about a whole sticking island. All right. Yeah. And, you know, you're just going, whoa. Jeez. Yeah. <clears throat> and he's touring, you know, and, oh, and he's so laid back. I don't know if you know who I'm talking about, but he's like one of the richest guys in the world. And he's like, oh, yeah, this I really like hanging out here. And he's cool and laid back. <clears throat> but I was going, it's hard when you look at that and say, you know what, Richard 
Branson's life is not defined by the islands he owns or the airplane company <laughs> he owns or whatever else he owns. That's, I mean, that's wonderful for him and he enjoys it. But that doesn't define his life. But you know what? Everything in this world says it does. And we as Christians have to decide if we're going to believe Jesus' words or Richard Branson's words. Okay? And I don't know anything about his life personally. Who knows? He may be born again Christian. I don't know. It doesn't really even matter. Because what we're trying to deal with is this culture war that's waging within each of us that the world is saying your life is defined by what you have what you wear what other people think of you all right and jesus is saying no in fact it has nothing to do with it that's not what life's defined by this is a core teaching of uh, the kingdom of the bible And it's vital for Christians to understand this. A Christ-centered life is not centered on things. Period. It's centered on Christ. Um, I believe that Jesus offers an escape to that cycle, the world economy cycle that draws us in to constantly wanting more and you can never reach the end of it because there's always someone who has more than you you know and and my buddy that I talk about if he ever shows up I'm going to be embarrassed (laughs) I'll introduce him to somebody else but you know he's a multi-millionaire living in Hawaii so I get this and he hangs out with like these really like he to call me up And uh, you all know who, I think I may have said this before, Chihuly, remember you did the art show in glass? He, and he, dropped, he did this on purpose. He's like, yeah, I was hanging out with Chihuly in our hot tub. I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, literally. And he just said that in the middle of a sentence. And we were talking about it. I was like, wait, I said, what? You were in the hot tub with Chihuly? He said, yeah, they were coming back from a show in Japan and they wanted a place to stay for a couple of days and so... And they called me up, and I said, yeah, sure. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? He was in your house? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and he, like, blows it off. But he was dropping the name. And <coughs> Chihuly's like the rock star of art in the art world right now. And, uh, <coughs> but, you know, John will say, he says, there's always someone richer. And even people that he knows, and he's not, you know, in his people that he hangs out with, he's not a rich person. He's just got a couple of men. Because he hangs out with people that have millions and millions. And he says, but they're always wanting more. And that's the issue that we're trying to address. That Jesus says, that does not define our life. And he tells a story of this rich uh, uh, fool that thinks he has enough. In fact, his barns are already full. And the ground yields a plentiful harvest. Jesus actually credits this increase to the dirt wasn't anything this man did he just happened to own field and the weather was good that year and he got an extra bonus of of harvest 
And he said, what am I going to do? So I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns. And this is where he makes a mistake in verse 19. He says, and I will say to my soul, hey, soul, I'm going to talk to your soul. Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. He was satisfying his soul through possessions. He was finding security, basing his security and his future on worldly wealth. Okay? And God said that's foolishness. Because that night he died. And all of it didn't matter anymore. Okay? So the issue, Jesus didn't criticize him for being rich. All right? He said that that wasn't a problem. It was that he was finding his security, especially his soul, security on something that can disappear. Now, right now, a lot of people's wealth are disappearing, not because they die, but because of changes in the stock market or you lose your job. Is that where your security really lies? This is what's being challenged. Okay? Is that where your security is? And and I was driving down the road the other day, and I was thinking, wow, man, can it get any worse? And I just saw a picture in my eye, and I'm like, well, yeah, look at some of these nations in Africa. It can get a lot worse, folks. It can get a lot worse. All right? I'm praying and hoping it doesn't. And I don't think it will get as bad as uh, some other places that have no infrastructure. But that's not the issue. It's like, are we really trusting in our wealth? And if that is taken away, do we fall apart? And if we do, that means we're, we're not living uh, wisely. In Mark, uh, another parable, Jesus says, uh, in the parable of, of the uh, sower, says, uh, and the different seeds that were sown, um, says the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things entered in and choked the word and it became unfruitful. This is the word was planted and it grew up, but the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things can choke out God's word. All right? So that tells me that that kind of stuff, that's not a good investment. And you have to be careful. Paul says in First Timothy chapter six. He writes to Timothy, who's a pastor. He says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty. And frankly, I've said this many times, we have to come to terms. Based on the world population, you all are rich. Period. Okay? Even if you are unemployed, compared to the majority, like 90% of the human population today and that has ever lived, you are ranked among the wealthiest ever. Okay, and I know compared to your neighbor, maybe you're not. Compared to Richard Branson, you know, but compared... So, let's not be haughty. Let's be humble. And it says, nor to trust in uncertain riches. Money is uncertain at its best. So you have to handle it that way. It's like holding water in your hand. Don't bank your life on it. But rather than trusting in riches in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. The issue is not wealth. It's not things. It's our heart. All right. And the security of the man in the parable vanished suddenly. All the things that he had treasured up 
that he had based his security on were of no use to him. And Jesus concludes and says that so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That's where Jesus is speaking to our investment strategy in life. What are we investing in? Primarily. The fool in this parable was investing, it says literally, for himself. Soul, be happy with much stored up. He had invested and stored up much for himself. He had plenty to take care of all of his needs, but suddenly all of that didn't matter. Jesus exhorts us that there's a, a better thing to invest in, and that's the kingdom of God, and that his kingdom provides greater security for our life, not only in the short term while we're here in this life, but eternally. Okay? Luke 12, uh, 21 says, Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but have not have a rich relationship with God. That's from the New Living Translation, or from the message he translates that last verse as, That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Yeah. What are you filling your, bar, your storehouse with? Okay. <clears throat> and Jesus goes on. I want to jump through the next few verses. You know that the response, he says, Therefore, don't worry. And he says, Because life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. Um, and, you know, you can't add an inch to your height. If you can't do something as simple as that, <laughs> Jesus presents. If you can't do the least, then why be anxious about the rest? You can't even control your, what's happening to your own body. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Um, <clears throat> because of, uh, uh, but rather seek the kingdom of God, and and the Father will take care of you. I talked about this earlier uh, in this series that the Father wants to give us all these things, and that what we are to do instead is to invest in the kingdom couple of specific things he says sell what you have and give it away talked about giving gifts last week and the power that that has and in giving rather than in 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 hoarding we actually store up treasure for ourselves in heaven i've tried to keep the series not talking about money particularly but lifestyle okay It, it has it affects how we deal with our finances but it's much greater than this the thing I want to really jump to is the idea of um, what we're investing in. Uh, let me just tell you this little story, and I'm kind of running late. But when we miss out on this principle of investing in God's kingdom first and trusting in that only, we really get uh, we can get deceived. And I know of a church; it's a very famous church. If I'd said the name of this church, everyone in here would know of it. Everybody in America has probably heard of this church. I happen to know someone uh, who who is in on the staff of this church. It's in another state, and they had millions and millions and millions of dollars invested in the stock stock market that doesn't exist anymore. And the church may actually shut its doors and not be able to continue to function as a church because they were depending on. A worldly system for their security. Now, I'm not saying that it was wrong for them to make investments, but obviously they didn't make good investments, you know, or safe investments. And who knows what motivation? I'm not talking to the motivation, but the fact that this ministry may close down because the world system broke 
it just makes me go, wow, how could this be? How could this be? How could they have put their trust in that? What, what, that the ministry itself is at stake. <clears throat> and I thought, well, what about Christians? How much? It, it, it's, a, it, it's easy to see a, a church or a ministry that is so invested in the world system that when the world stops working, they stop working. You go, wait a minute. You're not representing the kingdom. Let's hope the kingdom of God has something beyond what the world. Are you hearing me? And if that's true of a church, and that's certainly true of a Christian. It's true of you. It's true of me. Okay, you lose your job. Where do you go from there? You trust God. You believe God. You seek God. You depend on God. You have faith. All right? Because Jesus said, where your treasure is, that there your heart will be also. And God is jealous for your heart. God requires that we treasure Him above all else. All right? <clears throat> And in this time when what the world is, uh, has invested in is evaporating, we can stand up and say, listen, what I've invested my life in is actually more valuable to me than ever before. And yeah, maybe I lost my job or I lost some investment money, but I wasn't holding on to that for my security or my joy or my peace. Okay? What does it mean to have a rich relationship with God? It means that we prioritize His relationship over everything else. Are we investing in the pursuits that enrich our spiritual life more than we're investing in the things that enrich our carnal life? Are you hearing me? Prayer, the Word, relationships. The thing I want to touch on is, are we investing in others? The rich fool invested for himself. And Jesus said, that, that'll fail. Are you investing in the kingdom? And are you investing in others? Right? Remember what launched this whole topic in Jesus's, uh, this portion of Scripture? It was two brothers that were arguing about money. That had allowed things or money to come between their relationship. And Jesus said, at the heart of that is covetousness. Uh, and what they should do instead is sell what they have and give it away. So that they can have something that will last forever. Christmas season is a wonderful opportunity to invest in our families. Okay? And invest in others. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the stress associated with the holidays can rob us of that. But also, wrong priorities can rob us of that. We might not be able to buy our kids all of the toys that they want. We might not be able to buy them any of the toys. When I listen to stories, especially when people that grew up uh, back in the Depression, you know, they had some of the best stories, some of the best memories. And every toy I've bought my kid is broke. And that just makes you mad. <laughs> but that's just the way it works. That stuff isn't made to last. <clears throat> but when you, you, you special time and love, That'll last. That'll last more than a lifetime. Make memories. Alright? I really wanted this. I'm going to end with this. I hope this is what you remember from this message. Is that you have to make memories. I think that's what life's all about. Alright? Is making memories. Because that's what lasts. Each and every one of us has opportunities every day to make memories. 
You have a tremendous power to make wonderful memories for yourself, for your children, for your family and friends, even strangers. Okay? You have that opportunity. Don't lose it. Each one, each opportunity is like an opportunity to invest. Each opportunity, when you make a memory, it's like you're shaping your future. Because I'll tell you, your future is really shaped by your memories. Okay? Does that make sense? Any of us older people in here, we, you know what I'm talking about. So much of your life, it's shaped by the choices that you did in the past. And those memories bring riches into the future or can bring pain. Choose to invest in others so that they bring riches. All right? Enrich yourself and those around you with love and gifts that won't break or wear out or become obsolete. All right? That, it's not only about the holidays. It's about every day. Last thing. <clears throat> what if you lived every day, every day with the main goal of making a memory? All right? Either for yourself or for someone in your life or maybe even a stranger. That your goal was not just to make a buck, but to make a memory that would invest in others that you could treasure or they could treasure for life. How valuable would that be? Amen? All right. Sarah is going to come and share some announcements.